Welcome to Strength for Today's Pastor, conversations with current senior pastors and leaders which will strengthen and help you in your pastoral ministry. And now, here's your host, Bill Holdridge of Poyman Ministries. Welcome to Podcast 118 of Strength for Today's Pastor. I've been looking forward to this podcast for some time now. We're going to be with Bruce Hebel, author of the incredible, life-changing book entitled Forgiving Forward, Unleashing the Forgiveness Revolution. So background, a little bit of it anyway. Bruce is a longtime friend of a local pastor here in Lindale, Texas, where I live. His name is John Offutt, and John invited Bruce to come and share at our local minister's fellowship And the purpose of the meeting was to have Bruce explain the forgiving forward concept and the possibility of having a seminar in our area. And as Bruce, Bruce, as you began to share that morning, you opened the scriptures about forgiveness, specifically the need for forgiveness of others, obviously. And I was immediately captivated, and you you came uh, with with a great summary of what the message of the book was all about. You opened up Matthew 18. You shared that parable of the, uh, the king, the ruler, and the unforgiving servant. And I was, I was captivated. I was, I was brought in to this, and I, I, had to, I had to learn more. And when you handed out copy of the book, copies of the book, for free, <laughs> I was immediately even more captivated, and so I took it home, and I read it, and not just read it, but prayed over it and prayed it in, and I just want to thank you because this has been a life-changing last three or four months for me, and a lot of it is, I think, has to be attributed to what, what the Holy Spirit has been doing in me as a result of the book, so thanks for, for that, and thanks for joining us. Well, it's an honor to be here, Bill, and uh, glad we could do that. I don't know what I was thinking, giving away books, but we were doing that that day. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, honor to be here and uh, and share with your listeners. Uh, and yeah, John is a is a longtime friend, actually part of the story. So um, at least from my dad. So we're uh, we're glad and excited about the prospects of coming back to Lindell and do a citywide event. That's what we were kind of talking and planning. I think that's scheduled for uh, February 5th, right. uh, which will be pretty, pretty amazing. So, Yeah. And I'm hoping that this podcast is going to stimulate the same kind of a desire to have something like this in a lot of different areas. I know you're busier than a one-armed wallpaper hanger, but uh, still, uh, <laughs> as the Lord opens up opportunities. So that'd be great. Sure. Yeah. That's our heart. We just, there's, we will never run out of people to he- teach to forgive. I think so. that's right. Yeah. Well, your statement on that is is classic. Uh, if if you <laughs> the only one that doesn't need the message of this book and of this concept is the one that has not been wounded. <laughs> right. And there's only one guy who ever walked the planet perfectly, and we killed him. So none of us get out of this unscathed. So <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Well, I've even shared a, a lot from what you've taught and what the scriptures teach on this subject. Uh, but I've uh, tried to be careful to give you proper attribution on that and 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 so on. But uh, uh, the reception has been amazing. And the last place I was, I was actually making available the bookmark for as many people as wanted one. And the the lines of people streaming up to the front after the service to get a bookmark. And I said, listen, get the book too. And if you want to get the audio book and go online and get all the resources you can. And, 
anyway, the response has been great. It's been wonderful. That's awesome. That's awesome. So your, your passion obviously involves helping people, as you say, experience the freedom of the gospel through the power of forgiveness. So what do you mean by that phrase, helping people experience the freedom of the gospel through the power of forgiveness? Well, we do that by teaching people how to forgive and how to help other people forgive, since most people who need to forgive need help doing it. And what we find, uh, it was true in our life, and this this message came out of our own life and our own experience and our own failure to forgive and, and suffering those consequences, is that I believe that uh, not only in the culture, it's, 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 it's uh, epidemic, but I think it's epidemic in the church itself. Uh, that, that we have not learned to forgive one another. And there's such significant consequences when we don't forgive, because what we don't understand is what our unforgiveness says about the gospel. So if you have received the, God, the, the, the grace of God in your life, and you're not sharing the grace of God in your life, then you can't experience the freedom that the, that the grace of God was given to you to experience, because we're, 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 we're living counter to what we received. So uh, our, so many people are walking around underneath their freedom. I mean, they're not living uh, with the joy, with the peace, uh, with all the things that come with knowing Christ and, and, and being filled with the Spirit because they have this unforgiveness in their heart and that connects them with a, a, a discipline that changes the way our relationship functions actually we experience the relationship uh with god so uh we, we get to experience the freedom of the gospel when we choose to forgive because it aligns us with who god is and what he's done for us and what he wants to do for other people through us that was my experience you know when i started applying some of these things i noticed that my shoulders were lighter the weight on me was lighter there was more joy that was happening in my heart and I've, I've experienced, and, I ha and this isn't an exaggeration, I've experienced an increased moral power to forgive Absolutely. by forgiving. Absolutely. It's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really incredible. Uh, it, actually, it actually, our unforgiveness uh, in some ways uh, disconnects us with the Spirit's power. I mean, we don't lose the spirit. He's not gone in us, but it, it pretty much becomes a circuit breaker for us in a sense mm. that, that we don't get the power of the spirit when we have unforgiveness. And throughout this podcast, we'll explain to you why that's true. But mm. that's that's why it's so important. Our, I don't think you can abide in Christ effectively if you have unforgiveness in your heart. Mm -hmm. And then another thing that happened to me was that the gospel itself and especially the cross of Christ has become richer than ever before. Yeah, yeah. Because I, th I think oftentimes when we salute forgiveness and don't actually do it, uh, it's because we're kind of devaluing the cross. And when we understand the cross better, then we're going to be more motivated and actually more free to forgive. Because the more you think about the cross, the more and, and, and what it does for us, the more it changes the way we live. Um A.W. Tozer, in his classic book, The Knowledge of the Holy, the first statement in the first chapter of the book says, what comes to our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. 
what comes to our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us because it changes how we live and how we function. And God, if we elevate God and we elevate the cross in our focus in, in our life, it changes how we view life around us. Mm, that's a tremendous quote. I love that quote. Well, I'm going to back up just a little bit here, Bruce. Um, you sure. have been a pastor teacher for many years. You were pastoring a church in the Atlanta area. And now, because of Forgiving Forward and the Forgiveness Revolution, you're doing this uh, full-time. But tell the story a little bit about how this happened in you and, 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 and what's, what's the lead-up to what you're doing now, you and your wife, Tony. Well, yeah, we did not plan to do this. This was not on my bucket list. This was not, hey, you go, we were going to go out and be an itinerant missionary, pastor, leader kind of guy, speaker. That was not our plan because I was nine years, I was raised in a pastor's home and I was nine years old when I knew I was going into ministry. I know it's kind of weird, but that was the only story I've got. So I kind of have to stick with it. Uh, and so if you know you're going into your dad's line of work, if you're going to follow in your father's footsteps, then uh, you want to watch him. You want to learn from him. If you're a dad, you want your son to learn from him. I want my son, who's now pastoring, to stand on my shoulders and go to a whole nother level, right? Mm -hmm. And so dad and I had a really good relationship. And so I watched him. And I noticed something about him. He got hurt a lot as a pastor mm -hmm. because sheep bite. They mm -hmm. do. They sneak up behind you and they bite you in places you don't want to be bit. Yeah. And they don't like to let go. It's It can be really, really difficult. Mm -hmm. So I said, I'm not going to... I'm not going to make the same mistakes my dad did. I'm going to, I'm going to learn from those mistakes. And so I go to Bible college, I meet my wife, Tony, and we get married. Then we go to cemetery seminary <laughs> and, uh, and DTS. And we, uh, we get trained by some of the most godly, significant spiritual leaders on the planet, mentored, well-equipped by significant people. And we go well-trained into our ministry and we got bit mm. hard. Mm -hmm. multiple times throughout multiple uh, in, in multiple places over many years. And so, in fact, <laughs> um, in one of our darkest moments, Tony calls, uh, my wife's name is Tony, uh, calls the focus on the family pastoral hotline, which mm -hmm. is a little discouraging that they need one, yeah. but they do. And hundreds and hundreds of people call them every year, uh, pastors in crisis and wives in crisis and, uh, and so when Tony told the guy our full story, uh, which we don't share openly because we want to protect the forgiven, uh, he said, that's the worst story we've ever heard. Why are you mm. still doing this? Mm. And it was our call. Mm -hmm. And so, and there's about a year in our ministry, my ministry, when we were, I was pastoring a church had come into a situation where the church was kind of in a lot of uh, disorder and dysfunction and, 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 and my leadership gifts and my teaching gifts, we were able to bring order and, and direction and growth and health. And the church was getting, doing well. And everything on the outside of me looked like it was going okay. But inside of me, I was in torment. The only, it's the only word I can use. Mm. And because uh, a scab from an old wound that I thought I dealt with got knocked off mm. by a current event. And so I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell Tony. I didn't tell my best friend. I didn't tell any of the leadership thing. I didn't tell anybody because I'm a pastor, right? We're, we're pastors. Yeah. I, I know this is a for mm -hmm. today's pastors. And so we as pastors think we have to have the answers. We can't have problems. We have to fix problems. And so we foolishly often do what I did. I stuffed it. I just, I just stuffed it. 
until finally I'm in crisis. I'm in just full-blown crisis. And uh, I'm meeting with a counselor who's become a dear, dear friend, um, James Hicks. And James says, uh, after second or third conversation, he goes, Bruce, you've got a forgiveness issue and mentioned a particular man's name. Mm. And I said, no, 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 James, I forgave him. I wrote him a letter and told him so. Mm. He said, no, I think it's a forgiveness issue. No, James, I got that covered. I'm a pastor. We do forgiveness. It's what we do. <laughs> and, uh, and he said, eh, you got some problem, but so why don't you, God go, you and God go away on three or four days, whatever it takes, and just ask him what it is. And while you're there, why don't you read R.T. Kendall's book, Total Forgiveness? James was not real subtle. And so I go away to a, a, a lake house that a friend of a friend let me use. And I'm in this uh, uh, just wrestle match with God and trying to figure out what it is. And on the third day, I, I hear God say, and it's not an audible voice, but it's clearly communicating to me mm-hmm. that he said, Bruce, you haven't forgiven and mentioned the same man's name. I said, but God, I forgave him. I wrote him a letter and told him so. And God said, I know I read your letter. You <laughs> shamed him in the letter. Mm. And you you need to you haven't really forgiven. And I said, but God, he did all of these things to me and it wounded me and my family. And he goes, I know, but how many people have you talked about about all the good things I've brought out of that event? So how is it you blame him and praise me for the same event? Mm. And I didn't have an answer. Mm. And so finally, uh, as usual, I lost my argument with God. Uh, I never win those. And he and I and I chose to forgive. I made the difficult decision for me to forgive that man. Actually, it was a pastor who for the specific things he did that wounded me and my family. And I can't I can't express the change God did in my heart and my spirit. I mean, I'm cranking up the eye. I'm singing at the top of my lungs. I, I it's I, I'm free. Yeah. I come home, share it with Tony. She gets, she forgives. She gets free. We gather our kids together because, Bill, as you know, pastors' kids get hurt a lot. Yeah, and, and they don't know what to do with it. They're they're literally uh, collateral damage with what we go through, and they, they they're just innocent bystanders, and, and they 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 can't help being where they are. Yeah. And so we, our kids are the late teens, early twenties. They deep wounds in them, and. We gathered together and, and they forgave the same guy. And then we burned every evidence, every, every piece of evidence of the legally actionable things that have happened to us. And then we begin forgiving other people and other things. And they forgave us. We forgave them. They forgave each other. And for 11 hours in one day, our family dealt with old stuff. And it changed hmm. our life. It changed the trajectory of not only our life, but our kids' life. Wow. They're all doing great. One's pastoring in, in Delaware. Another was a worship leader in, 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 in business. Our daughter's a worship leader working in a nonprofit, works for us actually doing our creative work. And uh, they're all married and we have four grandkids. God is just really amazing what he brought out of that experience. So we're free. Three weeks later, I helped my dad get free. And uh, and that, that's a crazy story. In fact, our friend John is, a, is one of the ones my dad had to forgive. And, uh, and it just, it just changed his life. So we begin to learn and begin to study, begin to, what, what is this forgiveness? What is it really? Because I think what happens, Bill, as pastors, we have so much to cover. The Bible's so deep. It's so, I mean, there's so rich and so many things that we oftentimes skim over things and we don't, and, and, and the enemy will never tell any of us in pastoring that forgiveness is a bad idea. Right. 
He, he knows he can't convince us of that. Mm-hmm. But what he does is he so muddies it and 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 uh, uh, confuses, adds confusion to it that we end up saluting it and not doing it. So we don't actually do it. We just talk about it. And so as I say, we salute it, but we don't actually do it. So God has given us some significant uh, insights, I think, into A, the cost of unforgiveness, and B, the very simple practical protocols that if they're there, God knows you forgive them. Yeah, yeah. And so from there, you launched into this full time, obviously. And that the protocols that you talk about, they are actually on that bookmark. They are, they that, are. That you have available through your ministry. And it's great. It's simple. It's seven protocols. I mean, I have it in my Bible. I, I read it. And I haven't ever, I haven't yet memorized everything, but I read it through and and go through it almost every day. It's just amazing, you know. It's so simple, but the biblical foundation is behind it that you've brought out in the book is key to to making that very powerful. Well, it has to be simple for two reasons. One, I couldn't figure it out if it was so, if it was complicated. I'm not that smart. Uh-huh. But but basic. But but the core reason is the gospel simple. If it's not simple, it's not the gospel. Yeah, there you go. Because uh, the gospel simply, we we blew it. Jesus paid for our sin, and uh, and we get restored to Him through the death and resurrection of Jesus. It's pretty simple. Christ died, was 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 seen, was buried, He was raised, and was seen. That's the gospel. It's very simple, and so it has to be simple if we're going to do it. it. God doesn't put complications for us because it's not about works; it's about faith. Mm-hmm. So it's great. Well, back to that introduction of the parable of Matthew 18 that you commented on when you met with the pastors, Uh, the parable of the unforgiving slave, its intended meaning I know is huge with regard to the subject of forgiveness and unforgiving people. And so uh, I'd like you to break that down for us that, you know, just briefly, you know, summarize that because there's the punchline at the end, which is almost hard to believe at first, but Upon yeah. further review, like they say in pro football, <laughs> on further review, you find out what it's really saying, and it's liberating to know the truth. Yeah, it's kind of shocking. Yeah, it's it was it was really shocking when I saw it, and it's a little uh, it's embarrassing to say I was pastoring for thirty plus years, read this passage hundreds of times uh, before I really understood what it was actually saying. Mm-hmm. And uh, let me let me back up just a little bit. And here's here's the key point. God expects forgiven people to forgive others so much so he connects his forgiveness with ours. Mm-hmm. And in the Lord's Prayer, the one clause that has a condition attached to it is about forgiveness. Yeah. But it's not the condition we would expect. If I were predicting Jesus was going to give us a, a conditional prayer to pray in a model prayer, it would be something like this. God, help me forgive others the way you have forgiven me. Mm-hmm. But it's exactly the opposite of that, Bill. Mm-hmm. It, it, Jesus is telling us to pray, dear Heavenly Father, please use this standard that I use at dealing with the people who wound me as a standard you use to relate to me. Well, do we want God using anything we do as a standard? <laughs> right, exactly. Particularly how we deal with wounds? But that's what Jesus says to pray. In fact, it's the only clause he gives immediate commentary to when he says, if you forgive men their trespasses, your father will forgive you. But if you don't, he won't. Now, we're not talking about eternal security here. Right. That, that's a whole nother question. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what he is saying is the way we deal with the people who wound us 
is how God will relate to us while we're walking around on the planet. It impacts the quality of our relationship with God, whether or not we forget. When I and heard you not- say that first, Bruce, uh, I immediately went to the Beatitude, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Mm-hmm. It's the same concept, yeah. isn't it? Absolutely. absolutely. He says it multiple times in multiple ways throughout the gospel. Mm-hmm. And Mark, he says, whenever you stand praying, forgive mm-hmm. if you have something against someone. In other words, if you've come to God in prayer and been wounded since the last conversation you had with God and you haven't dealt with that wound, God says, I don't even want to talk to you right now. Because our unforgiveness impacts our ability to pray. It blocks our prayers. Now, he says something very similar in, in uh, 1 Peter to husbands. That, you know, the, don't let your prayers be hindered by the way you deal with your wife. The mm-hmm. way we relate to others impacts our prayer life. And unforgiveness is a significant block in our prayer. And again, he says it so many times. But as you, were, as you were referencing the Matthew 18 passage, uh, it, it is the most shocking statement, I think, in all of Scripture to me. Because mm-hmm. in Matthew 18, Peter asked Jesus a question. How many times do I forgive my brother when he sins against me? It's seven times enough. Well, Peter knew the Pharisees of the day said if someone sinned against you twice, had to forgive them. Three times, if you want to be generous, after three, you don't have to forgive and you probably shouldn't. So when Peter was saying seven times, he was doubling the maximum of the Pharisees and adding one, Mm -hmm. looking for a pat on the back. Did I doing good, Jesus? And Jesus says, nah, about 70 times seven. That's 490 times. That's an unlimited number when you think about Mm -hmm. it, because if you get into the 460s and you're still counting, Mm -hmm. you probably have not been forgiving because you won't keep track that long, will you? Mm -hmm. Uh, so then he says something significant. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like, and he, and whenever he says that you want to pay attention because what he's doing, Jesus is giving us a glimpse as to how God wants things to work. He's opening the curtains of heaven and letting us look in. And so he says, the kingdom of heaven is like this. There's a a, a master rather who came to collect debts from some slaves or servants who called him money, who owed him money. Now, some pastors call them slaves, servants, same kind of people. One's under the authority of the other. And the ruler came and said, pay me what you owe me. And the first one he came to owed him 10,000 talents. And and he says, I don't have it. Then I'm going to throw you and your family into debtor's prison. Please, please, please give me time. I'll pay it back. He didn't ask for forgiveness. Notice he asked for time. Mm. But the ruler gave him more than he asked for. He forgave him the debt. Well, it's a great story, but I didn't know for years what a talent was worth. I didn't take the time to look it up. And most people don't know. It's a measure of money that's unknown to us in our culture. And it's equivalent to 60 mina, and a mina was three months wages. So that's 180 months wages for one talent. 15 years wages, one talent. This guy owed 10,000 of them. Mm-hmm. That's 150,000 years worth of wages. Please, please, please give me time. <laughs> yeah, right. you, know, you know anybody that's got 150,000 <laughs> year mortgage? Nobody gets those. Uh-uh. No one lives that long. At 50,000 a year, which is the, roughly the median income in the U.S., it kind of fluctuates around that. That's 7.5 billion with a B dollars that the ruler forgave. Hmm. What's well, an amazing gift? Because mm. that means the net worth of the, of, the, of the ruler went down. It cost him that much, 
but it was a the, the net worth of the slave came up by that much because if you get a debt forgiven, your net worth changes. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking that's that's cause for a celebration. I'm going to be in a pretty good mood. I'm throwing a party. We're throwing brisket, Tex-Mex, and Chick-fil-A. It's all <laughs> going good, right? All the good stuff is coming. This guy didn't do that. He went and found a second slave, not someone under his authority, someone online with him under the same ruler's authority, who owed him a hundred days' wages. That's sixteen grand. That's a manageable debt. And he says, pay me what you owe me. Same appeal. Please, please, please give me time. I'll pay it back. That was doable. 150,000 years, not so much. And the first slave choked the second slave and threw him in prison. Well, the ruler heard about it and summoned him and said, you wicked slave, not a compliment. I forgave you all that debt because you asked for mercy. Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow slave the same way I had mercy on you? And that's a legitimate question. Yeah. And then it says, and his Lord, little L, moved with anger, rightfully so, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay what he owed. Well, what did he owe at this point? Well, what, what did he owe? What did the first slave owe to the ruler at this point in the story? Nothing. He didn't owe the money, right? Because you can't, if you forgive a debt, you can't, legally can't reclaim that debt. But he owed something. What is it he owed? He, it says, should you not have also had mercy? on your fellow slave the same way I had mercy on you. He owed mercy to the next guy or what we call forgiving forward. Amen. Praise the Lord. And the torturer in that day was a man who was assigned to the jail, who was skilled at exacting the greatest amount of pain for the longest amount of time without someone passing out or dying. Think Braveheart at the end, the guy at the end of the movie. Mm. If anyone, if you've ever seen that movie, we've all seen and heard stories of what torture looks like. Mm-hmm. Jesus then leaves the parable. That's a significant point in the story because he's no longer answering Peter or giving a pretend story. He's now addressing Peter's question. Now, you, you, you know, God, Jesus never actually answered the question. <laughs> he always addressed him. Yeah. And he, when all said and done, everything shifted in the question. And he says, my heavenly father will do the same to you, Peter and you other guys. And remember who Peter was, right? He was the leader of the disciples. He was a guy two chapters earlier in Matthew 16. Jesus said, I'm going to hand the keys of the kingdom of heaven over to you. In other words, I'm going to die, resurrect, and send into heaven. And we're going to create a marketing firm called, I don't know, the church. <laughs> and, and, and guys, you're going to be responsible for taking the message that I died and rose again to the world. So if anyone is going to get special treatment, it might be the ones Jesus trains to take the message of the gospel viral. And he says, my heavenly father will do the same to you if each of you doesn't forgive your brother from your heart. The same what? In the context of Matthew 18, the same what? Well, it can't mean anything but hand you over to the torture. Mm-hmm. And, and the tor- torturer in that day is also translated torment. It's used 18 times in the Greek New Testament. And of the other 17 times, maybe there's one exception. I looked at all of them, and there's one that's a little questionable. But every other time it's using connection with hell or demonic activity. Think about the story of the rich man and Lazarus in Luke. Lazarus, the beggar that the rich man wouldn't help, and they both died same day. Lazarus woke up in a place of comfort, Abraham's bosom. And the rich man woke up in hell, being in the same using the same word, torment. God withholds his protection from us when we don't forgive. He gives legal authority. This is hard to hear. This is shocking. Mm -hmm. He gives legal authority for demonic forces to torment us when we don't forgive. 
And it's not because we've been wounded. Right. It's because we haven't forgiven the wound. Wow. We like to coddle the wound, but the wound doesn't go away in any real sense until we've forgiven. Yeah. Yeah, because the wound isn't the issue. The cross is. Yeah. And, uh, and, and God is not disciplining us for being wounded. He's disciplining us for not forgiving. And, and when we think about the torture or the torment, it looks, it looks like anxiety issues, depression, uh, paranoia, all of the addictions, alcohol addictions, drug addictions, sex addictions, all of those addictions, um, control issues, some physical issues. We've literally, I'm a Dallas Seminary grad. We don't do crazy stuff. We've seen people physically healed just by forgiving. You're not asking for the forgiveness, healing. You're not, you're just forgiving. And if the, it's not all cases, but if, if the torment is expressing itself physically and you choose to forgive, the tormentors will, in fact, leave. And I could give you story after story after story. Uh, one, one story, uh, a couple came to us. Uh, he actually is a Grammy award-winning R&B guy. And uh, he'd had an encounter with God three or four weeks before, finally turned his life to Jesus. Uh, and then he came clean with his wife. That after, uh, in the 14 years of their marriage, he did not know how many women he had slept with. Mm. Wow. And he had an 11 year old son. His wife knew nothing about he would fly women to London or other places, wherever he was flying. And his wife was clueless to it all until three weeks before they came to us. Mm. And I'm thinking, how did he get her here? And so we began drilling down with him and say, okay, tell us about your, your wounded, your hurt, your, your past and wounded people, wound people often in the way that which they're wounded. And so his sex addiction was, was driven by his torment because his father, our initial thought was his father had lived the same kind of life. And if a father is unfaithful to a mother and the son, it'll wound the son. If the son doesn't deal with that wound, he's more than likely to repeat that wounding himself. Mm-hmm. So, or that sin pattern himself. And so we begin to forgive his dad. And um, in the middle, he got quiet. He said, and my sister. I said, what did your dad do to your sister? Nothing. It's what my sister did to me. Well, let's park that over here for just a second. Let's finish forgiving dad. Because you deal with one person at a time with the wounds that they've inflicted. And he forgave dad, blessed dad. I said, well, so let's talk about your sister. What did your sister do? She said, he said, well, from the time I was probably six or seven to 11 or 12, uh, she used not only molested me, but she used me, she brought her friends over and they used me like a little sex toy. Wow. And, uh, so when we, when I coached him to forgive his sister, everything in his countenance shifted, everything changed. Uh-huh. And then Tony coached his wife to forgive her husband and some other stuff in her past. Wow. And they walked out reconciled in one sitting. Wow. That's amazing. It, it, it was what the follow-up it's two, two follow-up points. One about it, three weeks later, we get a fall, call from Japan and it's the guy's producer who said, I don't know what you did with, but I got a similar problem. Can we come talk to you? So they <laughs> flew from Japan to Atlanta and we coached them to freedom. And then the other thing is that the guy, uh, the first couple has two ministries they've developed in Northern Atlanta, one to 
men in, with sex addictions and other couples in crisis, and uh, they're using the Forgiven Forward model as their uh, as their model, I guess, as their base. And uh, we we did a blog on this a while ago, and I got an email from him. He says, "Man, seven years, we're doing awesome." So uh, there, that that's that's what happened. So the big question then becomes, Bill, why? Mm-hmm. Why does God discipline unforgiveness this harshly? Because he loves us. <laughs> he, he does. But why is this sin this harshly disciplined? Yeah. Because nothing else, he, this, I think it's the hard, most harshly disciplined sin we can commit mm-hmm. as a believer. Because nothing else does he say, I'm going to hand you over the key. I'm going to hand the keys of the kingdom over to you. Mm-hmm. And the answer is it's because forgiveness is at the core of the gospel. Yeah. You can't cut the gospel anywhere it doesn't bleed forgiveness. Yeah. In Luke 24, Jesus says, if it's not the last, it's one of the last conversations he has with his disciples when he says, it is written, the Christ should suffer and rise again on the third day, so that. And that so that's important because it's a purpose clause, which means what what proceeds is not the main goal. What follows is always the main goal in a purpose clause. So we could, I think we would all agree, and I think your listeners would agree, that the death and resurrection of Jesus is a pretty big deal. Yeah. But it's not the main event. What's the main event? So that forgive, repentance for forgiveness of sins be proclaimed in his name to all the nations. Forgiveness is at the core of the gospel. Yeah. Because yeah. the gospel is simply this. In the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned, not only did man lose a lot, but there's a cost to God as well. We lost the relationship we were designed to have with God, and God lost the glory we were designed to give him. And God said, I want my kids back and I want my glory back. But there's a problem. There's a sin debt. It's more than 150,000 years worth of wages. There's zero possibility they'll ever be able to make it right. Jesus, is there something you're willing to do about this? You're dead. I have more than a righteous in my account. I can cover this. So he leaves heaven, comes to the planet, lives 33 and a third years perfectly on the cross, stretched out his arms and said, it is finished. What was finished? The payment for the sin debt of the world. Yeah. First John 2, 2, he, Jesus, is a satisfaction for our sins, but not for ours only, but also sins of the whole world. People don't go to hell because they've not been forgiven. They go to hell because they've not repented to receive the benefit of the forgiveness. Yeah. Because every sin ever committed by anybody anywhere on the planet, past, present, or future, has been paid for by Jesus on the cross. It's finished. The payment has been settled. Mm-hmm. Three, three days later, when God the Father raised him from the dead, the Father by the Spirit... The father said, I agree. I received the blood of my son as payment in full for the sins of the world against me. But when we, so when we say God may forgive, but I won't, we're saying, dear heavenly father, thank uh, we're, we're, I'm pretty amazed that you place so high a value on the blood of your son that you receive it as payment in full for the sins of the world against you. But what they did to me or my family, I need something more than that. The blood of your son is not enough to satisfy me. And what father would handle easily the crowning achievement of his son being devalued by the ones he achieved it for? Mm-hmm. We say it this way. The blood of Jesus covers all sin, mm-hmm. including the ones that wound me yeah. or us. What a great statement. What a great statement. Well, there's so much there. That's, that's so helpful. Appreciate that. So yeah, that's a long, long answer to a short question. Well, right? no, but it's, it, it needs a long answer because... It's, it's like you said at the beginning, Bruce, the things that we pastors tend to cover over or just kind of brush aside in, in re- regards to forgiveness. The Lord's Prayer passage, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, we, we brush that aside. 
And then we brush aside this whole application of the tortures and what that means, and so shall my heavenly Father do to you. And you've you've brought that out into the light. And so it's up to each of us to study it, to see, is that what the scripture says? Is that what it means? I did. I looked at it. And that's what it means. And that's what it says. And I looked at <laughs> it every hard. angle I knew how to, how to look at it. And it's a life-changing thing to understand it. Yeah. And, and I've taught this at Dallas Seminary uh, and uh, on a chapel. And Dr. Bailey came up and said, Matt, I agree with you 100%. Uh, I have another guy, pastor, who I coached and, and he got free. But he goes, man, this can't be true. This just can't be true. Hmm. And so he did his own study. Then he called his seminary professor and said greek professor and said this is what this guy's saying and the guy and he reported back to me the professor goes you know i've never actually looked at it that way but he's right Mm -hmm. so uh and it's not that i'm right it's that's what that's what jesus is actually saying yeah and 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 again it's because we're devaluing the gospel when we don't forgive yeah and the watching world is saying i mean it it impacts our it impacts our our witness Mm mm-hmm because the watching world, I think it impacts the church. If we're not forgiving, if the, if there's unforgiveness in the church, it impacts our ability to reach the community. Because the outside watching, unbelieving world is saying, you're not smoking what you're selling. Right. You want us to believe in the forgiveness of God, but you're not willing to forgive each other. Mm-hmm. So it must not be that important to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and whenever we devalue the blood of Jesus, we're devaluing the the, the very thing that gets that, that deals with our sin. Mm-hmm. And it, and then we, we make this, I think about this this week. It's a whole new kind of a new, a deeper angle on it that God is kind of revealing. Cause it's one of those things. Well, the scripture is living, right? You, you, you can't ever understand it fully all the way. And so really we sometimes forget that we're not the main, uh, we're not the main marquee name in the story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Jesus is the only name on the marquee. God and Jesus are only there's three names on the marquee. It's the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. That's all. Yeah. That's that, that. That's in the marquee. We may have, we may be in the the, the the end of the movie credits somewhere in small print, but we're not the main part of the story. But when we don't forgive, we make the wound the big thing, and when we make the wound the big thing, we make us the big thing. Oh wow! And it's never supposed to be about us. Hmm. It's supposed to be about the cross. It's about the gospel. It's about what Jesus did for us. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we we're constantly tempted to to try to try to uh, wrestle in or sneak in or the bigger role for our life. But we no, we're the, it's all about Him. Yeah. So we in, in, in our and when we don't forgive, we make it about us. Yeah. That, that leads me to, in my thoughts, to Exodus 34, where the Lord is describing to Moses the meaning of his name. And uh, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness, forgiving iniquity, transgression and sin, and so on and so forth. And, you know, that's his nature. He wants Moses to know his nature, which is the meaning of his name. And then you can, I connect that in my mind with what you said with Tozer, you know, where he said the essence of idolatry is the entertainment of thoughts about God, which are not worthy of him. And so, you know, if we're thinking yeah. unworthy thoughts of God, which comes from not understanding his gospel and not understanding his nature, that's not good. <laughs> that's not a good thing. Not a good no, thing for us. Not. And it's not a good thing for God. He, like you said, he's the one on the marquee, not us. 
Yeah, yeah. And we oftentimes, this is kind of getting a little off subject, uh, we oftentimes uh, try to create God, uh, or view God as just a better version of man. Hmm. But but he's not. And I, I think it was, uh, it may have been C.S. Lewis, maybe someone else who said, uh, you know, in the Garden of Eden, God created man in his image. And since the fall of man, man has done everything we can to, to, to return the favor. Yeah. Wow. And, and so we, we think of God in our terms instead of his terms. And yeah. so we need to align ourselves with his, his view and his heart, as you say, his nature and his name, which is a forgiving God. And he left us on the planet to witness of his grace to other people. And if we're not extending that grace through forgiveness of the people who wound us, then we're not reflecting his nature. And that's why we're here. Well, the, the, going back now to, to the title of the book, Bruce, and we'll move forward from that thought. The title of the book is Forgiving Forward, Unleashing the Forgiveness Re- Revolution. So what, what do you mean by the title? And what is a forgiveness re- revolution? What does that mean? Well, uh, the re- a revolution is something that comes in, uh, and, and it's an underground. It's a it's a grassroots movement that takes over and 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 restores freedom. All right, you think of the the the, the U.S. Revolution, right? Was to establish freedom. So freedom is kind of almost every revolution has its goal: freedom. It's almost always a banner cry: of freedom. Yeah, even at the end of uh, of Braveheart, you know, freedom. <laughs> and so there's there's there it's 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 we want everyone in the church to become so forgiveness focused, which is essence gospel focused, so that that it just spreads like and, and and not only are we living in freedom and freedom from torment, but we're also express, getting other people to live free. And when the church is free and living in freedom and living without offense between one another, then we think we can Im- actually impact the world. So we want this to just from person to person to person, clustering together, growing in our understanding of what it means to live out the freedom of the gospel. And it always comes through the power of forgiveness. Mm. I'm envisioning. I'm I'm fast forwarding in my mind to the the time you're going to be here in Lindale and and the people uh, you know streaming in and they're coming into the building and they've got invisible chains on that they don't even know about and then at the end many will have been released from their chains and now they're free and they're unleashed and I can I can just imagine that you must experience this a lot a palpable uh, sense that. There's oh, yeah. a lot more freedom in this room than there was when we started this thing. <laughs> absolutely. That's absolutely. That's oh. absolutely. And the more we get free, the more we're going to want other people free. I mean, you, you just think of the movies you've seen about, you know, people getting free and, and the, 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 the cell door opens and, and they can run by themselves and they can run away and they can be free, but they look at their fellow prisoners and what do they do? They go back and they're, they start breaking the chains there. They start opening the the door, and they're there because they want everybody in the prison to be to be found to 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 be set free. And so, when we just live with our own forgiveness, you know, then we're not we're not again not doing the, our, part of the part of the message of the gospel is to share it with other people. So let's get other people involved. And so that's why the second half of what we do is train people how to help other people forgive because yeah. most people who need to forgive need help doing. Yeah. That. Yeah. Um, and that's because the deception around unforgiveness is so strong. The enemy is so strong in that, that, that we sometimes don't know how to get to the deep wounds mm-hmm. and someone needs to help us mm-hmm. in the same way. Someone needs to help us find Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. 
So in a local church, now we've got a group of people that is significantly more operating in the gospel and its meaning through forgiveness than before. The environment of the whole church, the culture of the church changes Mm -hmm. as a result of this. This is what our world is looking for. I mean, people Absolutely. that they are they are looking for hope, they're looking for meaning, purpose, grace, love, all of the things that flow from the cross and from forgiveness. Who wouldn't want to be like this and who wouldn't want to be yeah. part of a group like that? Yeah, but who wants to be a part of a group that's in conflict all the time and fighting each other? Exactly. You know, the the, 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 the watching world's go, well, the peacemakers are fighting again. And we don't, we, we went to one church that the pastor had, uh, had left. There was crisis going on. There was a lot of issues in his own life. There was some things going on. Uh, and there, there was um, major detention, dissension and conflict, actually, between the staff and the elder team. And it had spilled into the congregation. So this church was in significant crisis. And so they called us in. Uh, and so we came in, met with the elders on a Saturday night, listened to them, heard them, dealt with some things with them. And then we taught on Sunday morning the, the preview message uh, of the seminar. Uh, and then we came back on Friday and Saturday and did the seminar. Uh, and uh, we had 30, they had 35, church about 1,200, 1,500, something like that. They had 35 people signed up before we got there. we had to fly in more workbooks we had over 350 people come Mm. to the seminar Mm. after the first session Mm. during the week we met with the staff and we got in there and the staff was a little leery because the elders had said that we needed to come uh and they were the authority and so the uh uh the executive pastor who was the temporary lead uh said so why are you here i said i'll tell you when we're done <laughs> I don't know yet. And so uh we just opened up the, the, the floor. What's your wounding? What's what's your hurts? What's what's your what's going on with you guys? And they started sharing this, 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 and the previous pastor and the and the, and the one before him, and and there's a lot of things in that that had wounded them, and a lot of those the elders had done. And so we created we never done, done about this way before, but we created just like a popcorn forgiveness thing session where we're sitting at the table there's 12 15 people there and they just started forgiving thing we step with we would deal with one person and then uh that that had been the wounding and then they would all forgive it and other people me too i agree and that you know and they and then we would move to the elders we moved to all these things and it just changed the atmosphere in the staff and in the room then we taught the weekend it changed the atmosphere of the church and uh and then I was able to reconcile the, the, the executive pastor with the, with the elder team. And uh, it just, it literally changed the culture of the church so that when they were looking for a new senior pastor, they, they went and waited for us to come, I think it was wisdom, to wait for us to come to get the church free. And when a candidate came in, he actually came in incognito the first time to see what was going on. And we met with the staff, he said, or the, the elders, he said, man, this is the healthiest most unified church we've ever been to. You almost don't even need a pastor. Well, they <laughs> obviously did, but, uh, but they said, he, they said, how'd you get here? He said, well, we, we learned to forgive. And so if we understand that the blood of Jesus covers everything. And so that anything that comes to us has already been prepaid. And so we, and we learn how to forgive it very quickly and 
very specifically, we can live in freedom individually, and then we can live in freedom collectively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it literally changed that church. And there's other churches. We're, we're talking with another church about making forgiving, you know, forgiveness is one of the spiritual disciplines. There's a lot of talk about the spiritual disciplines. And what's unsettling to me is when you read all the main authors, and I, I'm, 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 I like spiritual disciplines, I'm not against them at all. But if you look at the main writers of, you know, the Dallas Willard and the Posters and all those guys that wrote these books on spiritual discipline, what's, what's noticeably absent in there is forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And that really is, I think, the, the first spiritual discipline. If you don't have that, you're disconnecting with the spirit at some level. You've got a competing tormentor with the spirit of God in you. So how is it you do all those other things? That's interesting. I remember reading uh, the Didache, and there's something about that in there as far as how they would catechize new converts. And they would make sure that they understood forgiveness, especially how to, how to respond to their enemies because they were going to have them. And it's the same kind of thing. So uh, from that local church thing, Bruce, what, what would happen in a community if a number of churches experienced a forgiveness revolution? What would happen to the witness in that community, do you think? Well, a friend of mine, pastor friend of mine in our county uh, has trained his church really well. Uh, uh, he says, uh, he'll, he'll ask the question periodically, how many churches are there in Fayette County? Now, if you look at the phone book or you look at the database or whatever, there's a hundred or so that individual churches in our area, right? And so he says, how many churches are there in Fayette County? And 80% of the people in the building will unanimously say one. Mm-hmm. And Keith will go, yep, there's one church. There's multiple congregations. Mm-hmm. So we're supposed to be one church. Mm-hmm. We're not supposed to be multiple churches, mm-hmm. but we do have different cultures mm-hmm. and different churches. Uh, the, 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 the black culture has a different style and structure that they have. And it's okay that they maintain their cultural distinctiveness. The white church has its own, in some ways, multiple and, and none of them are monolithic and even in their own cultures, but there's certain in the, the, the Korean churches, the Hispanic churches, they all have their own style of, of how they operate. But we're all supposed to have the same message and we're all supposed to same, have the same heart and we're all supposed to have the same love for one another. So if we collectively do stuff together, which is what I'm so excited about in Lindale coming up in in February, is that we'll all come together from different denominations, different styles, uh, different ethnicities, and we're coming together and telling the world around us that, yeah, we have differences of, of, of personalities and styles and cultures and all that stuff, but we have one God and one gospel and one message, and we are all one together, and we're not letting the unforgiveness keep us separated, and we're not letting the culture of the world, which is driven by unforgiveness, tell us how we're to operate and how we're to relate. We're actually becoming the model to the culture of how you deal with these, these quote unquote systemic issues that are in the culture because we have the answer and it's a simple gospel. And it is, and I I think it's, it's forgiveness is driving all of it. The riots, the struggles, the conflicts between the parties and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. It's all about flesh. It's all about driven, but it's at, at the core of it is we're wounded and we don't want, to get let go of our woundedness yeah yeah but that just adds to our torment yeah yeah 
we long for that day to yeah. see that. Yeah. And I think that this, this thing in Lindale here could be very powerful. So shifting gears once again, um, one of the things that I know in my own brief previous experience ever trying to teach on forgiveness, <laughs> uh, I've, I've uh, seen that almost automatically there's somebody that comes up and says, I can't forgive that person because that means I'm going to have to go back to that husband or I'm going to have to go back into that situation and so on and so forth. So uh, what is, and you distinguish in the book between forgiving someone and becoming reconciled to them. So I'd like you to talk about that. What's the difference and why is it important to understand the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation? That's a very important question. Um, the um, And I have pastor friends who will teach you that forgiveness and reconciliation is the same thing. They're not. No. They're not. Uh, and and some people will think that you know, God doesn't forgive us until we repent. That's not true. Before the foundation of the world in Ephesians 1, gee, God chose to forgive us. So the forgiveness was settled on the cross. It's, it's, it's a done. It's finished. It's done. But we're not reconciled. God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. But not all come to repentance. Therefore, at some point in time, God will codify a person's decision not to have a relationship with him and forever. And there's no reconciliation between God and that person. But that's not because God's not acted and God hasn't forgiven. It's because this person hasn't done their part in repenting. Mm -hmm. So salvation happens when someone repents recognizes what they that they were wrong they're a sinner and they can't fix their issue and they put the put their faith in jesus death and resurrection to to pay for their sins and restore them in relation with god so that's the core gospel part well the way we relate to one another is 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 pretty much the same thing so reconciliation is the is the uh bringing together in harmony two alienated parties and the alienation is always because of a woundedness an offense. So there, let's just imagine there's a table, just in your minds, I imagine a, a, a high top table or just a table with five seats on it, five place settings. You've got the Father, the Son, the Spirit already sitting there. It's the Father's table. We're calling it the table of reconciliation. And the fourth chair is, is for the one who's been wounded. They bring forgiveness. Now, forgiveness doesn't say what they did was okay. It says what they did was wrong, but Jesus paid for it. And so they come to the table based upon the fact that this has been paid. So they're at the table. Reconciliation occurs when this person forgives, comes to the table, and the person who's done the wounding, the offending party, repents. And repents doesn't repent. It's, I, know, I used to teach this. I used to believe it. I now know it's not. That repentance is not changing your behavior, doing the 180. I know it's, that's taught a lot. But the word repentance means to change your mind. Metanoia, to change your mind, completely change the way you think. So repent, repentance is what I did was wrong. Now, when I change your mind, I'll change your behavior. I get that. But Romans 5, 7 is still in the, in, the, in the scriptures, right? So mm -hmm. the things I know to do, I don't do. Mm -hmm. Things I know not to do, that I do. Mm -hmm. If we're trying to do our change in our own strength, God won't let that happen mm -hmm. unless, we're let, unless we yield to the Spirit. So we can know the right thing and not do the right thing. But in this case, it's repentance is recognizing the wrong thing. What I did was wrong. So repentance says what I did was wrong. What can I do to make it right? At, po at, point time, at that point in time, the person who's already sitting at the table that's been wounded says, thank you very much. But our big brother, Jesus, has already paid for that. And so we're reconciled. Now, if they don't repent, you're not reconciled. But you are reconciled with God. 
and you're enjoying this amazing table with all sorts of appetizers that have no calories in them. It's amazing what they have <laughs> at the table, the fellowship. You're free and you're having a good time. And we actually say this, don't, unless you're married, it's a whole different question because you're one. There's a whole different thing that goes with that. But unless God clearly tells you to, don't go tell them you've forgiven them. Because if you if they have not repented, they'll f- reject your forgiveness. Why do I, why, you don't need to forgive. And, and that'll wound, another wound you have to forgive. And it, their ego will move them away. So just come to the table. And I can't tell you how many times the Holy Spirit goes and draws that person into repentance. Mm. And that's why you're reconciled. So if they're over here and they're not reconciled, I mean, they're not repented, you're not reconciled. But you're free and your heart is for reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Is that helpful? Does that make Yeah, that uh, helps. And I it's did re- I did really quick. So I'm, I don't know how clear I was. But, well, it's very um, clear. And it's, you know, it's part of the forgiveness protocols too. You know, you put that, I think it's number six, isn't it? Uh, I don't know, remember, but. Uh, uh, it's, that's how you deal with the wounds. Yeah, yeah that's, that's how you how deal with wounds. wounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the memory. That's how you deal with the memory, rather. The, the memory, memory, yeah. That's how you deal, you know, that, you know, just ask God to bless them. You've got to bless them because if you can't bless them, you've not forgiven them. It's a whole different part of the question, the conversation. But uh, so you come to the table, you bless them, and God will bring them, and you're ready. No one ever comes to Jesus and he turns them away. Every, right. All repentant people are safe with Jesus. They need to be safe with us, and they'll only be safe with us if we recognize that whatever they did has already been paid for by Jesus. Yeah, yeah. In the book, you put it s- sort of like this. You said forgiveness is, is comes from God and expects it of us, but reconciliation is up to us. He leaves that up to yeah. us. I'm I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. How how did you no, word it? Yeah. Well, the the model Jesus gave, he never let the offense determine whether he'd forgive someone because we forgive people. We, we don't forgive people, we forgive wounds, right? Mm-hmm. So he never lets the wound, the, the, the offense determine whether he'd forgive someone because he loves people more than he hates their sin. He predetermined he would forgive before the foundation of the world. He purposely chose to pay our debt. He did what we couldn't do, and we can't require them to do because he's already done it. And then he leaves the reconciliation decision up to us. Okay, there you go. Right? So he wants all to come to repentance, but not all come to repentance. Yeah, yeah. So not everyone who's been forgiven actually gets access to that forgiveness mm-hmm. because they don't choose to repent and yield to him. Well, this has been a really great overview really it's just an overview of 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 the teaching of the book and what a seminar is going to be all about Uh, but i want to i want to wrap this podcast up bruce this way and i want to give you an opportunity uh, just to take a couple of minutes to share with our pastors and leaders who are going to be listening to this podcast anything that you'd like to say directly to them as a point uh connected to to this podcast um just embrace the gospel (laughs) which is (laughs) Seems like it should not be have to be said, but oftentimes we can get so distracted by many things. And so we're here to help you. We really are. And, um, you know, it, no one knows what they don't know. And I didn't know to, till way late in my ministry what this is actually saying and didn't know how wounded I was and how, I, how tormented I was. And, uh, and so if we can help you in any way, our heart primarily is for pastors. We want to help your church because we know if we get a healthy church, the pastors are going to be a lot better off. So we want to help you with that and embrace it and, and uh, contact us. You want to have a conversation. We can do some coaching personally. We can actually, we'd love to come in and help your church. Uh, and there is a video curriculum online, a course. So go to forgivingforward.com. You can download the course and take it. We've got a new one, a replacement coming out, but it's not going to be until sometime next year. So uh, 
And we'd love to come do a seminar and, and train your people how to forgive because this is the core of the gospel. Uh, so we're here for you. We love you. Uh, again, go to forgivingforward.com. You can get the book on Amazon. I, and that's okay. But it's better for us if you come to the website uh, because Amazon takes a cut when you do that and the ministry gets it if you come through the website. So uh, forgivingforward.com. And if you go to the website, uh, there is a uh, there's a link where it says um, get the forgiveness guide. It's actually the protocols. It's a bookmark, uh, but on print, so you can download that. Uh, so it'll tell you where the protocols are. Yeah, I've, so. got, I've got a printed out copy of that. I can't reach it right now. Otherwise, I'd put it up in front of the yeah yeah, yeah. yeah the the camera. Yeah, um, and yeah. here's 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 the bookmark. At least the early one. So yeah, yeah, that's great. So it's it's got the protocols right there and. Uh, uh, we'll send it to you. Uh, no, if you buy, if you order them and we send a media mail that we will send you the quick reference guides because you can't send uh, bookmarks with media mail, but you can send quick reference guides. So these are quick reference guides. You're free to use as a bookmark. Okay. All right. That's good to know. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, so the, one of the things you said was in, in your presentation was uh, the only people that don't need a, a message on forgiveness are the people that have never been wounded. And uh, so that's pretty much everybody. So any pastor who says, yeah, I'd like to reach out for help, he's only admitting something that is a part of the human condition. We've all been wounded. So there's nothing to be ashamed of in that. And then going forward and, and trying to get whatever help and equipping we can we could possibly get is going to be good for any church and any pastor. Yeah, and we've been there. I mean, I understand we've been there. I have been. And so there's no shame. There's no judgment on our end. We don't, we, whatever you tell us won't change how we think about you or anybody you talk about. It will change how we help you. So just, we want you free. We want, God wants his people free. He, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. And one of the ways that we live in non-freedom, lack of freedom as a believer and as a leader is if we're dealing with unforgiveness in our heart and we're having to, we're having to compete struggle under the tormentors that, mm -hmm. uh, that, that the father himself sins because of the way we're dealing with mm -hmm. his son's sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks to you, Bruce, for joining us. I know you've taken a significant amount of time and, but I, I trust it's going to be worth it. So appreciate you and Tony and the ministry that God has given you. This is such an important message in our day. So I just want to encourage all those who are listening to this podcast, go ahead and head on over to the website, forgivingforward.com, and thoroughly check it out. There are so many resources, almost overwhelming, available on that site. And then let's all get involved in this forgiveness revolution. And, and it's so exciting when it starts with us, because then we have something that's an overflow of our own experience that we're sharing with others. So that's the heart of the the heart of the book and the heart of the gospel message. The stakes are high. They're very high. Thanks again to you, Bruce. Appreciate you joining us. Our pleasure. And uh, love what you're doing, man. All right. Look forward to seeing you, seeing you in February. Amen. Amen. Looking forward to that. Strength for Today's Pastor is sponsored by Pointman Ministries. You can find us at pointmanministries.com. That's spelled P-O-I-M-E-N ministries.com. If something in today's program prompts a question or comment, or if you have a topic idea for a future episode, just shoot us an email at strongerpastors at gmail.com. That's strongerpastors at gmail.com. May the Lord bless you as you serve Him, His pastors, and His church.